You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Have you ever wanted to quit your job and become a gardener? Or maybe you're already a professional horticulturist and you're looking for that next move to progress your career. In this episode, John Shearley, head horticulturist at Warrnambool Botanic Gardens, is back. And this time he's going to give us some information and advice to prepare us for a successful plant career. I've become the horticultural career writer for this episode's sponsor, Hort Journal Australia, and you'll find my second article for the publication in the March edition, which you'll be receiving soon if you subscribe to the magazine. You might have also noticed my article in the February edition about how horticultural podcasts advance the industry. I don't ask for donations, but if you'd like to help out this podcast, you can follow on your favourite player, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or any other player. And you can also share episodes with your friends and colleagues to make sure that we can get this info out there to those that need to hear it. G'day John, welcome back to the show mate. Uh, Thanks Daniel, thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, it's going to be another cracker. So can we start by defining what does horticulture mean? Horticulture to me means plants predominantly, but to other people it may mean soil, climate, things like that. So I guess they're all intermingled. But for me personally, when I think of horticulture, I just think of my love of plants. Right. So a horticulturist is a plant professional pretty much. I'd like to think so. Yeah. So why not soil? So how would you make that definition between soil and plants? Well, I guess I'm just focused on my plants. I take the soil for granted in a way. But obviously, if you're going to grow plants, you're going to have to know what your soil is doing and what it's capable of doing and also what what plants are going to survive in that soil. So it was probably a bit flippant of me at the beginning to make that distinction. But yeah, they're all intermingled. But for me, horticulture yeah, predominantly means plants because that's that's where my passion is. So what are some of the different roles that somebody can pursue within horticulture? Yeah, there's so many um, so many career opportunities, I guess, and that's, that's probably something that unfortunately horticulture's been labelled sort of as a hobby rather than a career. So because, you know, it's pretty much what people do on the weekend. Anyone can garden. So uh, how hard can it be? Like that's been presented to me on numerous occasions, which obviously has gone down well. <laughs> but... Yeah, so, so for instance, you, you know, you could become a nursery person, you could become a turf person, you, you could a boriculture, so it's the study of trees and working with trees, plants in terms of, you know, amenity horticulture or ornamental horticulture, display beds, glass houses, things like that, landscaping obviously as well, maintenance of, of established gardens. There's a myriad of opportunities, which is a fantastic attribute of horticulture to have so many avenues that you can explore. That's absolutely right. I mean, I'm a maintenance gardener and I couldn't tell you the first thing about laying concrete or, you know, some of those hard landscaping, just things that are totally out of my depth. Yeah, there's, and that's the beauty of of the profession, I guess. You've got so many different sectors that you can call on to complete the works and, you know, so many career opportunities where you can, you know, you, you might be in plants for a while and then you think, I'd like to have a crack at hard landscaping and the opportunity is there to, to further your skill set and also the knowledge you bring with your plants in terms of a landscaping point of view would be invaluable because 
you're then advising people not only on how to you know construct a retaining wall but actually how to plant or what to plant on that finished project yeah absolutely that's kind of part of the reason why i think maintenance is such a great way to get into professional gardening because you're it's pretty low barrier to entry to be honest like almost anybody can get into it if you're willing to take a low enough pay but then you can take what you've learned into different sectors and a lot of those sectors really do need to take on board some of those maintenance practices such as building a gate big enough for the mower you need to get through. Yep, those practicalities are certainly missing in some projects. But yeah, you're exactly right in terms of the the entry level to horticulture. Again, you know, there used to be Cert 2s floating around. I think a minimum might be a Cert 3 at the moment that TAFE's offering. But yeah, even to do do some labouring as well, which is a, a really good way to work out whether or not you enjoy horticulture because we all know that once you choose something it doesn't necessarily mean you're in it for life but you've certainly got to enjoy it you do spend a lot of time at work so I'm a real advocate for for people having a passion for something and it's clearly evident when you meet someone whether they're passionate about something or they're just tolerating it. (laughs) That's very true. So what advice do you have for somebody who's thinking about getting started in a role for horticulture and they don't really know you know, where they want to go. So something maybe that they can just get into that's easy and that they can have a lot of options on the horizon for once they learn a little bit more about what their passion is. Yeah, good question, really. Traineeships are are good. I mean, in terms of giving people an opportunity to, to have a taster of a potential career. And I know local government offers traineeships around that field of horticulture. Uh, we've actually just finished advertising for a trainee in a borer culture, uh, which will be an exciting opportunity for someone. That's really just the opportunity to dip your toe in. Unfortunately, the pay is not great, which really needs to be addressed. And after the traineeship, you know, there's, there's an opportunity for apprenticeship and things like that. So there's avenues where people can, can experience what it's like and then, then make a decision in terms of whether they want to study TAFE TAFE used to be a fantastic option. Personally, I think it's been watered down to the extent where a bit of a tick and flick, so apologies to those TAFE teachers. But it, it's still very much a learning opportunity and a way to, to, to network and also to, to further your skills and, and develop that passion that I've, I've spoken about. Absolutely. Do you think it matters about who you work for as well? Oh, definitely. Mind you, I've worked for some atrocious people and I've learned a lot in terms of what not to do. <laughs> so it's great. In hindsight, you can you can look back and think, well, yeah, that's how I wouldn't treat someone. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like to think there's some positives out there, but certainly if you're working for for someone that's not very kind, generous or honest, it can certainly have an impact on how you view the field that you're in. So I would encourage people to to be a bit selective where they work, and the best thing you can do is just ask around. You know what 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 the person is like you're proposing to work for. Quality of work is uh, is really important because that's normally a reflection on that on that person and their team. So that's a that's a good opportunity to have a snapshot of what you're getting into. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's probably like any industry. There certainly are a lot of bad eggs out there. Yeah, it's, it's it's unfortunate when the you know everyone's partially driven by the dollar. Some are more so than others, 
and yet it's about making making the dollars at, at whatever expense. But there are some good good uh, good companies out there. Fortunately, hopefully the poorer companies or the the ones that are less less ethical get weeded out in time. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a little bit about career progression in terms of sort of changing careers from one sector such as maintenance into construction or arboriculture or maybe even into something like nursery work or even into agriculture. There are so many different ways that you can go, but there are also different roles that you can take within larger organizations like government or even just companies such as there are management positions available and you can be in charge of staff you can be in charge of contracts you can tender for projects yeah there's so many yeah so many different options available which is fantastic about horticulture really it's it's only the limits that you put upon yourself and and I've been fortunate enough to I've done some volunteer work overseas which was a great opportunity to to test your skills and to meet new people and 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 to expose yourself to different practices and things like that and and I've I've encouraged other people to to explore that option. Obviously, it's it's not affordable for everyone. There is a fair um, tax tax chunk you can claim back. But yeah, just just things like that, or even even taking some annual leave and using your annual leave part of that annual leave if you've got the opportunity to go and work for someone else or work for a a local government, a botanic gardens, or something like that, where you don't have to travel overseas just to get that experience and. and and get out there and, and realise there's other things that are going on apart from what you already know. Yeah, really great point. And I'd like to take this opportunity, John, to ask you a little bit about your career in horticulture. Like, how did you get into it and how, like, where did you end up? Because I know that you're not just a horticulturist, you're also an arboriculturist. Yeah, so I probably started uh, mowing lawns for pocket money. So that was, <laughs> that was my uh, entry into horticulture. And then I, I was fortunate enough to go to university where uh, I'm not sure I studied enough. I did play a bit of footy and, and drank a bit too much probably. <laughs> but then yeah, I was able to graduate with a, uh, a degree. But then I ended up in the TAFE system and I probably studied for 12 years in the TAFE system while I worked in various uh, organisations, just continuing to upskill. So I was fortunate enough, as you've indicated, to to do a boriculture. So I was a qualified climbing arborist, and also now a consulting arborist. So I have a diploma in boriculture. Also, I have a diploma in turf management. So that gives me the you know the skill to to I guess identify between brown grass and green grass. <laughs> it's a highly fine <laughs> skill, <laughs> but I've. Um, yeah, so I've I've taken the path where where I used to probably work in a, a position for three and a half years, and then I'd move on and just look at getting different opportunities. Whether it was supervision of staff or it was a different role in terms of what my responsibilities were. Also, you know, dealing with the public—that's a big thing. If you can expose yourself to that, as daunting as that is, some of my roles were were in sort of community consultation and things like that. So. It just rounds you out, I think. But the important thing is to to keep learning. That doesn't necessarily mean you know formalised learning avenues. It's it just means being open to to listening to people, taking that extra step. You know, it can be as simple as subscribing to a magazine where you can read it after tea and and learn some new stuff. Um, join an organisation 
um, such as Plant Trust or Australian Institute of Horticulture, things like that. Go to seminars. Just put yourself out there and be willing to to continue to to learn. And that's and again, I'll bang on about this passion, but that's how you you develop your passion. You, you've got to actually seek it. It just doesn't fall from from the sky. You've got to develop mm. it and nurture it, similar to plants, really, and to to get those rewards in the end. Absolutely agree, John. Yeah, I couldn't agree any more about you have to basically find your passion, not just wait for it to come. Yeah, there's definitely work involved, um, which which certainly sort, sorts a few people out. But yeah, it's it's and we're so fortunate now in terms of just the ability with even with social media such as Instagram, Facebook groups, uh, Twitter, things like that. Just in terms of the wealth of information that's out there. Sure, there's a lot of crap out there, but you know you've just got to filter that and and work on uh, on what you want to be exposed to and and be willing to put that extra you know hour a day in to to do some professional development. Absolutely. John, I wanted to ask you about recognition of prior learning. Is it possible to reduce each of your qualifications when they're kind of related to each other? Yeah, certainly TAFE allows you the opportunity for those RPLs, so that recognise prior learning. It's a convoluted process, or it used to be. just means you've just got to get your documentation in line, and I, I think it really gets rid of those questionable ones that, that are trying to short-circuit the process. Mm. But yeah, you can certainly um, do it. There's two schools of thought, whether it's worth doing or whether it's worth just sucking it up and either mm. learning it again or learning it from a different person. And that way you, you're extracting more information and you're just building your, your profile further, I reckon. That's a really great point. That is actually why we also recommend that our listeners listen to our episodes more than once because you do pick a lot more up when you study something for a second time. Yeah, totally. Yep, definitely. So what is the quality of work like within a horticultural role? Like, is it a fun job or is this a career that's maybe going to lead people into bad mental health or? It's, uh, some may say it's not fun if you work for me, <laughs> but no, I'm a, I'm a hard taskmaster, but I'd like to think I have certain standards. I have high standards in terms of how we, we present the gardens, but certainly in terms of, of my team, they certainly get get praised when they're when they're deserving of praise and mm. certainly you know if they need to do some additional work to to bring it up to what it needs to be or what I think it needs to be certainly that's a discussion we'll have but we're very fortunate in horticulture we're working outside you know we're not like lawyers or solicitors where we have to bill out every 15 minutes I'm very much a person that knows how long a job takes but doesn't put a time stipulation on a job. Like I'll know when someone's taken the piss, but normally I, I allow people to, to get in and do the job and, and do it at their speed and satisfaction as well. So in terms of, of, of horticulture, if we can just focus on the botanic gardens, if we're doing certain tasks, there's massive satisfaction in when you start a project and you finish a project. And that can be as simple as just weeding a garden bed, trimming a hedge, uh, removing some weeds, maybe I'm biased, maybe I live in a little bubble. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's fantastic what uh, what you can achieve when you when you put your mind and your skills to it. Absolutely agree. I'd just like to make one note though, if you would like to live the sort of lifestyle where every minute doesn't matter and you know you can take your time with every single job, maybe don't get into domestic maintenance because that's the exact opposite. 
yeah, I should uh, I should clarify that um, <laughs> we're in a fortunate position in the Botanic Gardens in terms of our scope of works and uh, yeah, our time frame. Certainly, when I was a maintenance horticulturalist, yeah, definitely every every job was under scrutiny in terms of how long it took and and billable hours and things like that. But um, yeah, fair point, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of rip tear bust in what we do just because clients don't see the value in what we do a lot of the time. And yeah, time is money. Yep, agree. Unfortunately. So who do you reckon best suits a career in horticulture? Well, I don't think there's a time because I've I've been fortunate to meet quite a few people in the field of horticulture and, and no one sort of fits into that box of, you know, of a plant nerd or, or something like that. I think, again, it if you're willing to learn and you want to develop a passion, that's the type of person that we need in horticulture. And I think it's, I heard this a long time ago and I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's employ the attitude and train the skill. And I reckon that is massive in terms of how you approach something with your attitude and then the skills will come, will come next. Absolutely. So what personality traits will not help somebody in a career in horticulture, do you reckon? For me, and this is probably pretty blunt, so if you're lazy, look elsewhere and I think you'll still be looking for the rest of your life. I think attention to detail is necessary. And again, that can be trained, but some people just have that ability to to know and to be fairly particular in what they do. It's a tough one, I think, in terms of what rules someone out. We'll just stick with lazy. How's that sound as an easy answer? As a lazy answer. <laughs> so we're looking for people who have passion and who are actually in this role because they want to be here. They're not just, you know, the kids who got D's in high school and then the teachers just told them, oh, horticulture is an easy job. Yes, that's the thing that really riles me up <laughs> is that when people think, and it, and it used to be the way with trades, it was a second option, like in terms of, oh, yeah, you didn't get enough marks to go to uni, you'll do a trade or you'll do horticulture or you'll do an apprenticeship, things like that. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous in terms of hmm. that way of thinking and it really scarred the industry, I think, in terms of, yeah, just, and I don't think we've done ourselves any favours as well in terms of how we promote horticulture and the ability and what it brings and what it can bring, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's an applied science. Yep, definitely. It's not a labourer role. No, no, and yeah, and to dumb it down to think it's, you know, anyone can mow a lawn because that's what we do on the weekend is is just ridiculous. It's actually funny because today I was walking by uh, a garden with my wife and, you know, this crew of people turned up in a sedan and they popped out with their shears and they're just... It was a very sad to see what they were doing to these poor shrubs and to these poor liriopes and um, just all these strappy plants that don't want to be pruned like that. Yes, it is a bit disastrous at times, isn't it? Particularly if you've got a day off on that and you're walking around. And, and again, that's, that's the passion that's evident with you, Daniel, in terms of you know, you're looking at these things when you're walking. A lot of people have got a blank space. But, yeah, just uh, how that can annoy you, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and it's a it's a shame because I have to compete with those people in terms of how much I can earn. Yeah, yeah, certainly not a level playing field, that's for sure. 
So I guess what about someone who wants to earn the big bucks? Who's like, oh, you know, I love horticulture, but I don't want to. I don't want to live on a low wage. I'd like to earn a lot of money. What would you tell them? Uh, when they work it out, give me a ring. <laughs> They're probably people that that I wouldn't employ. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that politely. Yeah, it's an unfortunate truth, but. Yeah, I guess it comes down to your your standard of living and, and what you're happy with, and yeah, you, yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. What what you aspire to be in terms of how you can survive, and yeah, what what material things you value, I guess. Yeah, I guess the one thing that I'd say that horticulture trumps almost any other role is the quality of life. So it's like if you actually love gardening. You can get out there, be in the sun, get your hands in the soil, touch plants as your job, which is a lot of people's hobby. That's what they do to unwind after work. Yeah, certainly those those attributes of, of horticulture have probably been downplayed and it's only recently that, you know, a real focus on mental health and, and the, the value of outdoor, you know, living in, in a way is uh, is being promoted, whereas, you know, we've been doing it for years as uh, as, as gardeners. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon I'd like to hear a bit more about some of the different roles that someone can take within horticulture. Are there any other roles that you can think of? Yeah, so roles roles in horticulture, obviously you've got the private practice in terms of maintenance. There's also there's a real skill to, to hedging, not that I'd, I'd recommend you take a career in hedging. Uh, <laughs> no, in that's a hard wear life. And on, wear and tear <laughs> on the body. But certainly there's different facets in in horticulture, they can hone your skills at, you know, rose pruning, fruit tree pruning, all those things seem to have not gone by the way, but certainly if you can prove that that you're proficient in that, there's a lot of opportunity for weekend work and things like that. So it's, it's a matter of, of honing your skills in, in certain areas, even like turf. Turf's a complex science, really, in terms of fertilising and working out what the best grass to grow, how to grow it, what to, what height to mow it at, how often you should irrigate it, should you core it, should you thatch it, dethatch it, I mean, all those sort of things. Yeah, there's a myriad of things you can do in horticulture, really. Yeah, I mean, let alone getting into different sectors like agriculture, where your skills will be transferable. Yeah, yeah, certainly agriculture is just a massive field. And, and probably something that, again, TAFE universities dropped the ball on in terms of promoting it as, as a viable career. Yeah, I mean, some people will pay a lot of money for the right person to come and prune their grapes. Yeah, and, and a lot of those works too. Like if you're pruning roses, pruning fruit trees, a lot of that's word of mouth as well. If you can prove that you're proficient and skilled in that area, your June, July is going to be very busy. Well, that's the thing you've got to think about with that sort of work too. It is seasonal. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So that's another good advantage of horticulture. You can have that many different strings to your bow that you're not just relying on on, on one skill to get you through. So can you think of any other roles? Uh, apart from management, we talked about that briefly. You know, supervisory roles, once you've developed enough knowledge, and certainly I'm not a great advocate for for people to get promoted just because of time on the job. Mm. Supervisors can make or break a team, and I think you really need to have good skills, good communication, empathy, which is ironic coming from me if you asked a few <laughs> people that, that I've worked with. 
but yeah, you, you, you need, and there should be some sort of training with supervisors too. I think it's a lot of people are thrown in the deep end and it can have lasting effects on a workplace if you have a, a poorly trained supervisor hmm. that can just, I guess, reverb for years throughout the workplace. And I'm talking probably local government here more than anything where you're in charge of, of teams of people. And then after supervisor, you may be able to get a uh, get an opportunity to become a coordinator or a manager, which means predominantly less time in the field, more time doing paperwork, maybe tender, maybe quoting, maybe supervising contracts, things like that. And some people don't really fit that role well. I know myself, I love being on the tools. Like paperwork's a necessary evil for me, but I love being out there and I love being on the tools. We've recently had a new team member start and I had great joy in telling Lewis that there's no job that he'll do that I haven't done. And mm-hmm. I said I wouldn't ask him to do a job that I haven't yet done. I love working for bosses like that, John. <laughs> well, you're welcome here anytime, Daniel. Too far, mate. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't do the commute. <laughs> I'd love to though, mate. Your bloody gardens are gorgeous. Honestly, that would be Nice sea change from the sort of gardens that, I mean, I get some good ones, but not like yours, mate. No, thank you. But I guess once you establish yourself a bit more, a few more years, you can be able to pick and choose, I reckon. And then, yeah, you've got that niche market that you can tap into because it's all about reputation. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. Well, what about mentors? Because I reckon that's pretty important in any role, but horticulture specifically. Yeah, definitely. Definitely mentors are really important in terms of just the role they can play in terms of, you know, how you approach a job, how you even even approach work in a way. Like some of, some of my best mentors have been females in terms of just how well organised they are and, and very practical thinkers rather than emotive thinkers. So I think, yeah, I've been very fortunate who I've worked with and for but as I said before, I've had some atrocious bosses mm. and fortunately I've had some really good ones. But, yeah, mentors are really important and I think well, my role here in the gardens is to make sure that I'm not only mentoring people but I'm building up future mentors that are going to take my place and I think the more quality you have in your teams will be reflective on, on the sort of work that you're producing. Yeah, absolutely agree. And from my experience, mentorship can happen in in many different ways. Like usually it's just something that just happens naturally. You know, you just start learning from somebody naturally and it's just totally informal and you don't even have to call it a mentorship. It's just someone that you're learning from. And even you can just even ask somebody, hey, will you be my mentor if there's someone you really want to learn from? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right in terms of how sometimes it, it just evolves. And I think that sort of evolution is a reflection on how you've established your team Mm. and whether or not you've weeded out the poorer workers Mm. and then you've promoted a a lot stronger team and and that's why they're able to mentor because they're in a position where they're, they're showing true leadership without being called a leader. Yeah, and it's the market is really good for good horticulturists who are passionate and who care because usually they get snapped up and they get stuck somewhere. So there's a lot of bad workers out there. I mean, specifically that I've worked with, I can think of a number of people who I would not recommend to be hired 
So yeah, get out there if you're passionate and get into a career in horticulture. Yeah, definitely. I recommend it. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? So John, I always like to ask our guests, is there anything else that you'd like the listeners to know about? Yeah, I guess just the just the value of horticulture in terms of what it what it provides for for not only the the person undertaking the work, but but for community in general in terms of, you know, amenity horticulture, street trees, things like that. It, we're all about improving the environment in a way, so it's a very satisfying job. No job's perfect. Uh, you have your off days, you have, you have your, your good days. But in general, horticulture's provided me with, with massive opportunities and, and really satisfying career. Well said. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Appreciate you, John. Daniel, thank you very much. Thanks for the opportunity again. I always uh, love plugging not only the gardens, but horticulture in general. If you're stuck in a job that you don't like and you dream about joining an industry that benefits your mental health, I'd encourage you to try your hand at horticulture. You might decide that you hate it after a couple of weeks, but if you're subscribed to this podcast, my guess is that you'll feel quite at home working with plants professionally. Check out the show notes to subscribe to Hort Journal Australia so that you can read my horticultural career articles each month, as well as articles from other working horticulturists to help build your passion and knowledge. Also, make sure you're following the Plants Grow Here podcast so you don't miss out on weekly episodes designed to help people in their horticultural careers go from disaster to master.